Hi, I'm Rose Eveleth, and you're listening to the Science Line podcast. This is the sound of science. We're going to start today's podcast with a story. It's November 25th, 1988, in La Thierry, Canada, which is about 125 miles directly north of Quebec. It's a cool night, about 45 degrees outside, and there are still some snowy patches on the ground from a few days earlier. There's a man, he's a trapper, named Joseph Dyer, and he's out inspecting his traps. When he's finished, he comes out of the forest and starts walking towards his house, which is on the other side of a big field, which is about a half a mile away. All of a sudden, Dyer hears a sound. It's this crackling noise, and it's coming from behind him. He turns around, looking back at the forest, and the sound is getting louder louder as if it's coming towards him. And as soon as the sound reaches him, he sees something. It's this curtain of bluish light emerging from the forest on both sides of him. As it passes, he turns and watches this blue light hugging the ground snake across the field and pass his house and then disappear. As soon as it disappears, he feels an earthquake. Joseph Dyer's report sounds crazy. If you're like me, you read it and thought, no, that's not true. He didn't actually see blue light snaking along the ground. That's just wrong. Maybe he'd been drinking, or maybe he was really tired, or there has to be some other explanation. Somebody's just saying, oh, we had an earthquake and I saw some lights and my dog talks to me, so, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's not evidence. That's David Brumbaugh. Still there? Yep, I'm here. And what I do is I'm professor of geophysics at Northern Arizona University, and I'm director of the Arizona Earthquake Information Center. And he says that actually, Dyer wasn't crazy. He saw lights, and what he saw are called earthquake lights. Reports of earthquake lights have been around for a very long time. They were mentioned all the way back in 373 BC, associated with an earthquake in Greece. But it wasn't until relatively recently that anybody thought they were real. In fact, it was uh, the the opinion changed in 1966 in Japan. There were a series of earthquakes there, some of them at night. And uh, one fellow was lucky enough to have his camera handy and he took the first pictures of earthquake lights anybody's ever taken. So since that time, uh, as we've gotten more technologically advanced, uh, they're now pretty common. Now, if you just Google earthquake lights, you can actually see videos of these things from Lima and from Japan. There's one in Santa Barbara. One of the best accounts comes from an earthquake in the Grand Canyon in 1989. The first earthquake was at around 9 o'clock at night and woke up some campers in the inner canyon. And uh, they described what they saw. Um, the uh, ground shaking probably woke them up, actually. They, the lights lasted for about, oh, 10 minutes probably before they faded away. It came out as a diffuse sort of light, which gradually began to grow after the earthquake occurred. About, uh, well, about 
seven kilometers, five miles northwest of where they were. They could see it on the horizon, and it got light enough that they could, uh, it was almost like a full moon at night, and they could see shadows on the rocks. And then, of course, after time, it gradually faded away. And, uh, of course, we looked into that very carefully. There's no possible way that there was any sort of a artificial light source, no moon or anything like that that could have uh, confused them. And the descriptions were very good. The reason this one is so useful is that one of the guys who saw it was a uh, an uh, optical technician. He ground mirrors for astronomers. So he was a very precise, uh, logical sort of a person to describe something like this. And uh, it gave a really good description. But there's one problem that even a really great description can't solve. Nobody knows why or how these lights happen. Um, a lot of theories have been proposed, things like uh, electrical conductivity of rocks, uh, gas escaping during earthquakes when the rocks grind together, uh, any number of things like that have been proposed, and they've all been shot down. Um, there is a, a newer theory out that came out in 2003 by a guy named Freund, F-R-U-N-D, and he did some laboratory experiments and produced a phenomenon at a small scale that's similar. What he did was he took some rocks that had some... Most rocks uh, near or at the Earth's surface have a high content of silicon in them, silicon oxygen, and the oxygen has what are called flaws in them, little places in the crystal lattice where there are electrons missing. And this turns out to be what they call a P-hole, and it's electrically conductive. So they figure if you if you hit a rock with a hammer, which is what he did in the lab, these things will uh, move like a flock of geese away from the impact towards the surface of the rock. And, they, and he saw actually produced a few lights in the lab. But um, it's it's going to be a while before that can be adequately tested. And they don't happen with every earthquake, which makes them harder to study and less useful as a predictive measure, which in turn makes people less interested in studying them in the first place. Basically, we don't know what they are, why they happen, or even when they're going to show up. More mystery. Mystery deepens. So for now, this is just another one of those science stories where there isn't really an end. This podcast has been brought to you by ScienceLine.org. I'm Rose Eveleth. Thanks for listening.